Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we're so glad to have you here. So appreciate walking together with you. You know, this is a walk that you found out that many people don't quite understand. You've had that issue when you started to follow God that your family maybe didn't quite understand what you were doing. I know my family didn't understand. My mom still tortures me today. You said you were only only going to go for one year. <laughs> and that was many, many moons ago. And But when, once you start following God, that means that you have a, no, a new voice in your life that supersedes any other voice, any other advice or direction, and that is your Heavenly Father. And how many know He takes much pride in being able to direct your steps? And it doesn't matter how many people complain. No, I thought you were going to do this. I thought you were going to do that. You should be doing this by now. What's wrong with you? You know, but when God's in charge, that means no one else is, not even you. God's in charge. And it's not your job necessary to explain that. It's your job to prove that. You know, I had to retrain my family, had to fellowship with me as I followed God. And that I couldn't be moved by uh, manipulation or, or hints of failure. I had to train my family, my parents, my brothers and sisters. I got to follow God. And you got to follow God. Once he has someone who will follow him, he doesn't let go of you. <laughs> you have to let go of him. He won't let go of you. I remember my mom called one time. Helen, I had a dream and a vision and a prophecy. And I, and I took her like, oh, wow, Mom, what was it? God told me to tell you to move back home to Canada. If it was up to her. I'd be living in her basement still today. It's like, well, Mom, when God tells me, I'll do that. You know, and as, as a minister, if you're ever a pastor of the church, that's one of the oldest trick in the books. Pastor. I'm traveling through town, and I have an op- opening on Sunday. Because when you're a itinerant preacher, you, have, you preach Sunday to Sunday. So Sunday is your work day. You never want to go without working. I have an opening. And the Lord gave me a word for your church. So if you don't have me preach, then you're missing God. And, and you've got to learn how to say, no. You'd be amazed how many people do that when I first... First was learning, because you know, in our calling, we want to be used of God somehow. Every Christian wants to be used of God somehow, or useful to God is a better way of saying it. And I remember at the ministry at Norval Hayes, one of my first jobs was to pick up speakers, guest speakers from the airport. That's how I got to meet Kenneth Hagin and a lot of these famous guys. And I was, if they were talkative, I'd always t- you know, take a moment to say, well, tell me your advice on how to go into the ministry. Because I had no idea how to get into ministry. You know, I wanted to preach, and, but how do I, how does that work? Well, I had so many preachers like, well, what you do, Alan, when you're in a town, open up the phone book. That's when they had phone books. And, and look up the, the Word of Faith churches in the yellow pages. Then call them up and just say, you're a friend of Norval Hayes. That'll open the door for you right then. You've served under him. And then if you, you maybe get one out of ten, that will have you come preach. Well, go preach. And when you preach at the end, say, Pastor, how did I do? Did I bless your people? Yeah. Thanks, God. Praise the Lord. Would you have another minister that you would like to introduce me to? 
and let me have their number so I can go preach at their church. He said, that's how you start. And uh, another guy was like, well, what you do, you go to conventions, preacher conventions, and you take a, you get a business card with your name on it, you pass it around, and you'll get someone to have you come preach. And thank God for praying in tongues, because none of that worked for me. And, and you think, well, that's because you're a good person. No, it's because the Holy Ghost was building something in me that wouldn't allow me to go down that path. I remember I asked Dave Roberson, I said, well, Pastor Dave, how, how do I get meetings? How does it work? He said, hey, Alan, if they're not calling, God doesn't want you preaching. And now I look back to that advice given to me all those years ago, and it, it, may, it fit, but it still didn't make sense. Now it makes more sense. And I remember being invited to go to Canada to preach on television all across Canada for free. And I remember saying, oh, what a door it just opened for me. God, you're promoting me. You've seen my faithfulness. Hallelujah. You've, you're rewarding my faithfulness. And, and, and he clearly spoke to me, no, no, I'm not promoting you. There's enough of my truth in you that I want to promote that truth. And you know, see, he wasn't even promoting me. He was promoting himself in me. And I was just going along for the ride. So if you want to get used of God, then the answer isn't to go find someone who needs you. That's the purpose-driven life. Find a need, fulfill that need, and you'll feel purposeful. You're really serving yourself by serving that person to feed your natural man's and the natural part of your soul purpose to make it feel good about serving God. God's not interested in playing with your natural man's soul. He's not interested in feeding that. You want to get used of God, get more of him in you, <laughs> and then he'll promote the, himself all over the world. Someone over in Timbuktu needs an answer prayer, and has a question that you have the answer for because you'll give him God's answer, not your own answer. He'll fly you across the world to minister truth to that person. You won't have to worry about being used. Trust me. The world is tired of meeting the love of Christians. They need to meet the love of God. That was really good, by the way. We're going to, let's see, let's start over here. We're going to continue on. Um, you remember the old days they had those little um, uh, screens and they'd have little sheets of paper on What's that called? The thing that pushes light through the screen? Overhead projector, thank you. Some of you old timers, yeah. yeah. That's new guys, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I suppose you had a phone that connected to the wall too, didn't you? No, those overhead projectors where you'd have a clear, you'd write on a clear screen and you know you can overlay a couple of, of clear sheets with drawings on it and make a like picture, you'd add to it, right? Well, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to overlay uh, on our overhead projector, <laughs> in theory, some of these epistles that Paul wrote to different people, but saying the same thing to help us get a clear picture of the full image of what he is trying to say to us. And to understand the past and review it a little bit, the Lord's been really dealing with me about 
not just taking the love of Alan and directing it to the world. Because that's what I was taught right away as a believer, right? You're born again, welcome to church. Uh, Now what I want you to do is take your love and quit focusing on yourself. And I want you to take your love and focus it on serving God and doing good in the name of God. So that's what we do. We, we, we do good works and we help people. But how many know that your love has a limit, has a limitations? That as much love as you have, it's got a limit. And that's why the devil's not afraid of your love. Because he can destroy it any moment. You know, you may think you're strong, but just add another thousand pounds of pressure on you and you squish like a bug. But what he is afraid, what he cannot stop, is the love of God. The love that comes from God cannot be manipulated, stopped, or limited by the enemy or by circumstances. The peace of God cannot be limited, turned by any circumstances. That's why you see the Apostle Paul in prison, joyful, peaceful. Because that which was in him was greater than that which was outside of him. And as we've been sharing, that can a caterpillar choose to fly? See, the love of God is flying. (laughs) You know, that's flying. The the peace of God, that's flying in the things of God. The miracles of God that we're after, which means not 50%, not 99%, 100% of people who come no matter what, not just lower backs, knee problems, uh, shoulder problems, but the deaf, the maimed, the blind, the crippled children, the handicapped, they come, and 100% of people who come receive their miracle. The standard in the church world has been lowered so much that it says, be nice to your neighbor, and you did good. The world's tired of the love of Christians. They're bored with it. They need to meet the love of God. So we're going to go through some of these epistles and just layer upon layer, try to see the image of what Paul is saying. We'll start in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. Verse 5, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. Now we're just passing review in here a little bit. Now let's go over to uh, verse oh, verse 13 of chapter 4. The imagery here is that you don't need to present the world with your love, with your wisdom, with your advice in the name of Jesus. You need to go get it from God and serve the love of God to the world. That doesn't mean that you get to just step out of the I'm just going to disappear. I'm just going to move out of the way and introduce you to the love of God. No, the only way for God to really get his love on this earth is if you will transform to that love. If you will go get that love and cause it to grow inside of you so much that that's the love that you present to the world. They meet Jesus through you, not just your love in the name of Jesus. Verse 13, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore speak. This is talking about Jesus in hell speaking to the Father and God resurrected him from death to life. That that's what happened to you when you were born again. You accepted Jesus and that's when he turned your nature of darkness into light. 
He quickened it. And now you have light as a nature instead of darkness. You are now born again. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Verse 16. Therefore, do not lose heart, even though our outward man, say outward man. So you have an outward man is perishing, yet the inward man, oh, now you have an inward man. So you now have an inward man. Your inward man is what's happening to your inward man. It's being renewed day by day. So our outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Gary taught this morning a great sermon. I love the, the picture of going into the inner court, and there is the lampstand, the menorah, he said, uh, is lit inside. That's the only source of light. What a great picture of the new nature. The new nature was brought to light, and inside of the inner court, that's your only source of light that you need to grow into. So even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. So we're showing here in these services that the inward man is where the renewing process takes place. And so when someone says, uh, some good preacher says, you know, you need to choose the love of God in your life. See, that's easier said than done because I can choose. Remember Pastor Dave's story? Uh, who, who was it? I think someone said they had a preacher and they gave him a book called Humility, How to Be Humble or Humility. And he said, oh, no, I, I got that down really good. It's like, uh, that's pretty much proof that you don't. <laughs> you know, if you have to choose it, if you have to choose, then you, you haven't mortified it yet. See, the scripture tells us not to discipline our body. When I talk about the body, I'm not talking about your skin, your fingers. I remember Gary's message one time. He said, my hand never has never argued with me when I said to pull out the wallet and give money to someone. It never said, no, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, he was talking about the body, how you're supposed to obey Christ. Well, your, your hand doesn't do anything unless you tell it to do it or let it do it. And so when the scripture talks about mortification, mortification means that you put something to death, right? Dead. If you're mortified, you're in the mortuary, and there's a mortician standing over you, you are dead. So when it talks about the outward man, that we are, it's perishing every day, and we are to mortify the deeds of the outward man. See, that means that it's not talking about your skin and your, your fingernails. It's talking about the natural part of your mind, will, and emotions. See, the inner part, the, the, in, in your inner man, they're connected. The inner man and the outer man, they're twins. They're conjoined twins. They're joined at the, the mind. They're joined at the emotions. And they're joined in their desires. The problem was when you got born again, the new nature brought to life your inner man, but left your outward man to darkness. So now, the spiritual part, the inner part, inner man, the part of your soul that's connected to the inner man, 
is lit up by light where the part of your soul that's connected to the outer man is still darkened, left in sin, left to darkness. And so the renewing process, here we're going to talk about it here in Ephesians. Well, let's go to Colossians first. We'll, you, we'll just cherry pick one verse here. We'll come back to this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So I want us to layer upon layer see that the new man is referring to the inner man. It's the same, just different wording, but the same imagery. The outward man is the same as the old man. Okay, The outward man is the same as the old man. So verse 9, Colossians 3. Do not lie one to another since you have put off the old man. So you have to put off the old man. That's Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And you have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him which created him. So the new man is the inner man, which is renewed in knowledge. So the renewable process, the rebuilding of knowledge, is the inner man. The mind, the emotions of the inner man, the inner part of your soul, being renewed from God, from light. Because the outer man has been trained by darkness. If I'm making any sense of all, you can say amen. Amen. So it is the new man, the inner man, that must be renewed. All this revolves around Romans chapter 8, verse 10. You can take 2 Corinthians 4 and 5 and lay it over top of Romans chapter 8. 8 verse 10. You know, if Christ is in you, now if Christ in you is the new nature, how may have Christ in you? So what happened when I got Christ in me? Christ in me lit up my inner man, my new, made it a new man. It's no longer the same as the old man. It's now light instead of darkness. It is a new man. That's the image. Every time you see Christ in you, righteousness, image, that is talking about the new nature. So the new nature is actually the smallest part of you. The new nature is a nature. It, that's all it is. It's a nature. But it is a nature that came from God, so it's a very good nature. But it is just a nature. And that nature brought to life your inner man. Now you have the capacity, because that inner man, that new man is alive, to renew it in knowledge. That means the knowledge isn't there automatically. How many when you got born again could quote Isaiah? How come? Because the knowledge didn't come automatically. I'm trying to talk about the transformation process. Christ in you, the body is dead. Now, that doesn't mean your body died because it would have fallen off of you. The body is dead meaning it was left in darkness. He didn't fix it. Not yet anyway. He will fix it in verse 11. He talks about fixing it when the trumpet sounds. But for now, he left it to dead. 
It left it in darkness. So you're wearing an outward body, an outward man, an old man. That's what you're wearing. That was left to darkness. Christ in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit, this word spirit here is talking about your inner body. The inner body, the new man, was the new man. Is the life, was given life, was lit up, made light because of righteousness. The righteousness, the new nature, brought to life your inner man and made it new. And left the outward man to darkness. Keep that thought and come to Ephesians with me. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 17, we'll read this, these verses. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the fatuity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness and greediness. But you've not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conduct, who are we putting off? The old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. So we are to put off. See, if you have to put something off, it means it's still on. Put off your jacket, please. Come Welcome to, in Canada, I was raised... And I'm sure if you're ever raised in a northern state where they have snow, that you are taught if you walk into the house, you take your shoes off and leave them out by the door. Some of you southerners are in shock. Because <laughs> I remember when I first moved to Tennessee, we went to someone's house and we walked in the house and I took my shoes off and left it at the front door. And everyone was watching me like you're walking around with your socks. And my shoes were sent by the front door and they were puzzled. What is wrong with this kid? Because any house up north in Canada, you walk in anyone's house, their mama would beat you, even if they're not your mama. What are you doing with stomping mud through my house? If you've got to put something off, that means you're wearing it. So the old man, the natural body, was not fixed when you were born again. Well, the natural body has a source of love, a source of joy, a source of peace. We call them emotions. Well, the inner man also has a source of love, a source of joy, and it has the capacity to take the very love of God and become that. See, the love that you have stops. You may have love, and everyone does have love to a certain extent. Some of the, I remember talking to Pastor Dave, and there was a person in my life who was very nice most of the time, but can be very vicious sometimes. In other words, if that person got their way, they were nice to you. This was a leader. But if they didn't get their way, they would turn on you and be very vicious towards you. You maybe know a few people like that. And I remember Pastor Dave and I were talking. He said, Alan, I said, well, they just had a a bad day. That's why they were so mean and vicious. He said, no, no, that's the real person. He said, the other days they were having a good day. But the real person, if they have the ability to hurt and be that vicious to one person, they'll do to another. And they'll do to you also, Alan. 
He said, if you have the capacity to be that vicious, that's who you really are. That's where you really live. See, the natural man's love has a limit. It will only go so far. You may think, no, I am. I choose love. I'm choosing to love you. Remember the story? The couple goes to counseling because they're having problems. And, and the counselor says, oh, here's how you fix your marriage. Sir, every, every morning you're going to make your wife her favorite breakfast. You know this story. going to make your wife her favorite breakfast. And you're going to put her favorite flour on it. And she likes, I think it was pancakes, blueberries, orange juice, and I, they're a red rose. So you, the husband, he does that every morning. And the wife, oh, this is great. And he says, oh, I love you, I love you. And they go back to the counselor after we say, you are a genius. You're like the Einstein of counselors. You fixed our marriage. We were fighting and arguing and hating each other. And, and just by me loving her, She's loving me back. This is great. So one week go by, two weeks go by. I think after a month and a half or two months, every morning making the same breakfast, he brings it in on the plate, on the platter, and the wife says, you know, instead of blueberry pancakes, I think I want chocolate in my pancakes. You ungrateful woman, you. I knew all along you were lying. Well, I hate you too. And then they're back to where they were. Because natural love comes from the natural emotions of your natural body. The natural part of your soul is made up of the natural body. But that you're not left with that. You have an inner man that has the same part of the soul, but it's lit up. One day, in fact, let me just go there. Let's go to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 6. Remember your creator before the silver cord is cut or severed or loosed. So remember your creator before the silver cord is cut or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or when the the wheel broken at the well. Look at verse 7. Then the dust will return to earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. See, when the silver cord is cut, that's the connection between your inner man and your outward man. And that's why when somebody's body stops breathing, there is a cut between the two bodies. One body of spirit goes to God. The other body, the natural man, returns to dust. So you have an inner man and an outward man. When you were born again, your inner man, the nature inside of it was quickened to life. And that brought to life and created a new man made of light. And now it has the capacity to walk in the love of God. Before you were saved, you could not walk in the love of God. Well, after you were saved, you carried that love of the natural man over. Because it wasn't killed. It was still there. It was dead. And now your job is to mortify him. See, when you say mortify, it means dead. Now listen to me. If you have to choose love, that means you are choosing against not loving. If you have to choose love, I'm choosing to love you, Billy. You had a birthday the other day. 
Billy had a birthday the other day, by the way. Happy birthday, Billy. I'm choosing to love you, but you didn't invite me to your birthday party. So I'm choosing to love you and not be angry at you. I'm teasing him, yeah. But see, if I have to choose to love, that means there's something in me telling me to choose not to love. The fact that I have to choose means I am fighting something that's still alive. The Bible didn't say to discipline our flesh. That's the beginning. The beginning step of faith is I'm choosing to believe that God's word is true. Everything is a lie. I'm choosing to believe that I can be holy, so I'm choosing to act holy. But that's not the end. That's not the finish. If you live there, say, I'm choosing to love you. Well, I've I seen a, a thing where they have an automatic press, hydraulic press somehow. I don't know how it works, but it's a thing that basically squishes things. And they put like a phone in there, and it like crushes it, and it shows how much pressure per square inch it pushes. And then they put like a, a metal block. Like, well, that, that's going to win. And it squished it. It just kept squishing everything. Well, that's how the enemy works with us in our natural love, our natural peace. Is you may have some, you may be a nice person, a kind person. Squish. The devil can squish it. He's not afraid of your natural love. He's not afraid of the love of Alan. We had one lady. She was the sweetest lady. And we had these women conferences we put on every month. And uh, we'd have a guest speaker, and then we, we would feed all the women and, at the ministry and, and lots of dishes and all that. And, and so this one lady was so kind, always there, always helping, always generous, and one day I said, you know, you've been so good at this. Why don't you, well, can I put you over the kitchen work? You know, be responsible, make sure all this is done and that. And I gave her a responsibility to carry during the women's meeting. The nicest, nicest, sweetest lady. Well, you know, what you find in any conference, in any meeting, pressure comes to meet a need. We don't have enough chicken. We don't have enough plates. These need to be washed quick. You know, we're out of Kool-Aid or we're out of whatever. Let's make so there's lots of pressures that happen that need to be fixed in the moment. Well, this sweet the sweetest little lady turned into like a the meanest person you ever met in one night. Yelling at people, what's wrong with you? Get your act, did you get it here? Well, I mean just bossy and like she could not handle the responsibility. That under a little pressure, even your love that you give, the kindest person, the devil can break it. That's why he's not afraid of what we can do in the name of God. And that's what the modern church has taught us. You're born again. Now take your love, take your time, take your money, and focus it not on you, but on serving the kingdom. Is that not true? Is that not the basic message of the church? So they've taught us to serve God, but really it's out of the natural man's ability. Well, that's why the devil's not afraid of that, because he can stop it at any time. Just enough pressure the right way. Squish. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going back to Colossians here in a minute. Verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on, now look at this, this, is becoming so much more powerful. Verse 24, Ephesians 4. And you put on the new man. So if you have to put it on, it means you don't have it on. 
You have to put it on. Put on the new man, which was what? Does it say the same word, created? Created according to God into righteousness and holiness. This is Romans 8.10. The inner man was brought to life, created new by the new nature. This is not talking about the new nature. The righteousness came from the new nature. Your inner man now was brought to life and lit up. So now you have an inner man that is empty in knowledge, is empty in love, but it has a capacity to hold the very love of God, the very peace of God, the very joy of God, the very wisdom and thoughts of God, because now it was brought to light and lit up by the new nature, created in true righteousness and holiness. So now there's you, and you have an outward man that was left in darkness and an inner man that was brought to life. That means that for every scripture you read, your outward part of your mind, the natural part of your soul, wants to tell you what it means. But the inward mind, the inward part of your soul, gets it, understands it. See, that's why you have to renew it and all. So the process here, and I'm trying to explain why it's a process, why it takes time. Because you have to here take the new man that's now alive, renew it in knowledge, and then once it's renewed in knowledge, you put it on over the outward man. The outward man we are to mortify. If you hear a voice telling you, don't love that person, and you have to choose to love them instead of hate them, then that's a part of you that is not mortified yet. If you have to choose holiness, I'm choosing holiness. That's the first step. That's the beginning. That's the ABCs of holiness. Choose the Word of God. Choose to obey the Word of God. But if you have a fight in you trying to pull you, where is that pulling, that fight coming from? Well, that's the voice of your natural soul saying, feed me something. Give me what I want. And if you just only choose to fight it and discipline yourself, the devil will destroy you with that voice one day. You may think you're strong. I'm strong in the Word of God. The devil will destroy you. Because you're not strong enough. But there is something that is strong enough. Holiness that is a fruit of your inner man. Holiness built up in the inner man, which mortifies the outward man. So it begins at, starts at choosing holiness but ends at mortifying the voice of unholiness and building up the truth inside of you in your inner man. I'm back in Colossians here. You want to know why the devil is so concerned about little old you? No one knows me. I don't have a website or a worldwide following. I started a TikTok. I got three people... No one knows you. No one knows what you have to say. But why is the devil so mean to you? Why is there so much resistance? Because he's not afraid of you. He's afraid of what's being built on the inside of you. The love of God. The joy of God. The peace of God. And if he can't stop you from bringing that into your inner man, 
Because once it's there, he can't stop it. He cannot stop the love of God. He cannot change the peace of God. No matter what circumstances he throws at you. If you have to choose it, it means you're not there yet. You're not done yet. Transformation isn't complete yet. Gary said this morning, it's kind of like a lot of people, and even ourselves, we get so tired of praying and worshiping. And, and you know, our outward men want, it will fight you. Like, give me something. Just give me something. Make me feel good. I'm in worship and I don't feel nothing, Gary says. My outward man's like, this is the boringest time. Sitting there for an hour. Nothing's happening. You're wasting your time. Well, it wants you to give it something. Purpose. Like when I went to my prayer closet, the first thing was I had thought that I was going to reward, be rewarding my outward man with everything. A new house, a new car. And it joined me happily going into prayer. Until the day it figured out, oh, every time you go into prayer, I lose. And that's the day my outward man, my outward emotions, the outward man, the outward part of my soul started to fight my inward man and say, no, we're not going to prayer. Yes, you are. Oh, yeah. I'm going to make you feel like a dirty, rotten dog. I'm going to make you, I'm going to punish you like a spoiled kid screaming on the aisle in in the grocery store because you won't give it its chocolate bar. Until you give me my chocolate bar, I'm just going to scream and pout and drag my feet. Did you ever have to drag a kid through an aisle at a grocery store? You know, we had a little dog that, we had two dogs, little dogs at the time. One was Maddie, and she was bouncy and running, and she, we'd take put her on the leash, she'd get excited, and she'd run sniffing everything. Then we had another dog, Spencer, same kind of dog, but just short legs and smaller. Spencer, you put him on a leash, and he'd just sit and lay down. And I remember Christy saying, I'm having a problem. Spencer won't walk. I said, oh, I'll make him walk. Watch this. Come here, little dog. He was three pounds. Pastor Dave said it was like a speck going around. Like he'd look and be like a speck running around his eye. Just a little tiny three-pound thing. And I'd I'll watch this. Let me show you how to do this, woman. I'm the alpha male. I'm going to prove it to this little dog. And I started walking, and he just lay there. And I drugged him like a mile. Like... And he wouldn't walk. And you should have seen me walking back defeated, carrying this little puppy, three-pound dog, all the way home. Like, who's in charge now? <laughs> you know, who's serving who? Well, that's what many Christians do. They spend their life serving the outward man's demands of pleasure. And when I say pleasure, I'm not just meaning like sin. The outward man's desire for purpose. See, God's not interested in pleasing appeasing the outward man. He wants you to mortify it. And see, if we just think mortifying is, well, I don't smoke anymore, I mortified that. No, the mortifying is everything that comes from the natural man. The love of the natural man must be mortified. And the love of God must grow inside of you. Be renewed in the knowledge of the inner man. The new nature has an image complete of Jesus. It's like a seed. If you cut it open, the new nature, you'll find that there's a complete Jesus in all of his holiness, in all of his love, joy, peace. It's already inside of you like a seed. It's an image inside of your new nature. But now you and I are to take that image and bring it forward. And that's why we call it the fruit of the spirit. Gary said again this morning, that fruit only comes on a mature tree. I have much struggle with some of the preaching out there in the modern church because 
I heard it when I was 18. And it was the message of Pastor Dave, a prayer and worship that rescued me from that message that I heard 30 years ago. Well, it's back again. It just keeps recycling. And generation after generation just goes and goes and goes without no one ever reaching the fullness of Christ on this earth. And what they taught was, you have it all. You're completed him. Now go out and witness. Go out and pray for people. And we went out, marched out on weekends, and we marched out trying to win people to Christ. And, you know, God bless everyone who gets saved, and it's not a bad work. But it's not a complete work. Many people will never walk in their calling because they've been taught just go out and be like everyone else. And we're all supposed to go do this and do that. The body is much more diverse than just a few things. Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. We're going to stay in this chapter here. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Now, if you underline, you can underline the word above. Seek those things which are above. That doesn't mean those things that are better. What I'm preaching doesn't mean you're not to have emotions. It's that where do you get those emotions from? Do you get the emotions from your outward man or your inward man? See, your inward man has the ability to walk in the love of God. In fact, it only grows in the love of God. I had one person I was talking to, and their sibling is kind of a critic. And so they're, they're listening to messages from the person or preachers, trying to critique it, find little things to pounce on to attack this person. I said, oh, that's good. Let them do that. Because what happens, because they're born again, the critic is born again. So what happens is when the word of God, a truth, something that originated in the mind of God is preached, their inner man grabs hold of that because it holds on to the truth. The outer man may try to analyze it away, but the inner man still has it now and will never lose it. So let them listen and trying to critique because there's something building on the inside that eventually they won't fight you. They'll fight themselves. They'll have an argument from the inside fighting their own critiques. So when it says here, seek those things which are above in the natural, normal Christianity, they say, well, choose love, not hate. You get a little bracelet. What would Jesus do? You know, like if you have to ask Jesus what he would do, that's a good start. But it's better if you become like him, <laughs> then we want to, you will know what to do. Seek those things which are above. That's not talking about, I, I seek love, I push away hate. Things above are, I choose love that comes from God instead of love that comes from my own natural man. If then you were to raise with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, mortify or put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourself are to put off 
these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. So I'm in the imagery, layer upon layer. I want us to see in the epistles, the message of Paul here, is that you have an outward body that's aging, that can take sickness, that this is the source of anger, of jealousy, of envy. This is the source of your problems, insecurity. You think when someone dies and they're in heaven. I use the story of the, the man who was pushing his drive, shoveling his driveway, which if you're a northerner, you understand you're shoveling the snow off your driveway so it doesn't turn to ice. And he had a heart attack and died right there on his driveway. Well, praise God, some paramedics were walking by and brought him back. But in the few moments that he was dead, he had an experience where he said he went to heaven. So let's use him as an example. He's on earth. Let's say he's one of those Christians that just barely makes it to heaven. I mean, he, you know, he drinks a little on the side on weekends. He's you know, not just right on the edge of maybe walking away from God, but not there. He's still saved. Still, like, the neighbors don't like him. He's angry. He yells at his neighbors. He yells at his dog. And then he has a heart attack, but he still goes to heaven because he has a new nature in him. In heaven, is he going to be yelling at everyone? Question. Honest question to think about. Because I'm giving you verses, inner man, outer man. You have, to, you have to decide what does that mean. Much of the modern church simply teaches, choose good emotions over bad emotions. What I'm presenting to you is, no, we're to choose spiritual emotions over natural emotions. So that man in heaven, he's, he's not yelling at the, the angel, get out of my way. You're too slow. I want, I want to see God. Why is there such a long line here? He's not being like that because the source of that anger is in the natural body that's laying on the earth. Now, they brought him back, and he came to life. And then he looked at the paramedics. He would have said, well, about time you guys brought me back. What, what happened? He's back in his body. There's that anger again. The source of the jealousy, envy, strife is the natural part of your soul. In heaven, you have a soul, a spiritual side of your soul that will be with you where you will have the love of God, the joy of God. There's happiness in heaven. How many would agree with that? How many would agree there's joy and excitement and, and love and passion but the source of that is the part of your soul that's from the inner man. Well, you have access to that now. You don't need to be, to be in heaven to get there. You can start it now. Well, how do I do that? I choose love. Well, if you choose love, then that means that you're not walking in the love of God yet. Because if you have the love of Christ, it's not a choice. It's a demand. It's all you have. You can beat me. You can steal from me. You can rob me. You can yell at me. I can't find anger anymore. Gary said this morning he was, I'm picking on Gary today, watching football last week. And he said, I I used to watch football all day. And then last week I even tried to watch a few games and there was nothing in me to make me want to watch it anymore. See, that's an amazing part of mortification where I, I, I... I had to fight. My wife had to take the cable box and cut the cord and, 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 
and I, she caught me in the bathroom watching it on my phone, and, and, and I had to fight and resist the desire. See, that is the natural man saying, I need purpose. I want to feel that I want to be a part of something. And many Christians live their life feeding the natural man to keep it happy. It'll serve God with you. It'll go to church with you. It'll worship God. It wants to be a participant with God. Your natural man, the natural party, so wants to be, but God's not interested in it. That's why when your understanding is unfruitful when you pray in tongues, what that means is that your inner man is being built up in the knowledge of God. Your outward man is left in the dark. God's not speaking to your natural mind. He's saying, I don't need you. I don't need your opinion. I don't want your advice. You just stay out of the prayer closet. So something is happening, but it's not happening in the outward man. Verse 9, chapter 3. All these verses revolve around Romans 8, verse 10. And you put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So this is the picture of transformation, that I have a new man that's been brought to life, created in righteousness and holiness. I have a new man, an inner man, that now is born again, now is alive. It's as righteous as my new nature. One day when the trumpet sounds, I'll get a new outward body, and that body will be as righteous as my new nature, as righteous as Jesus himself, and I'll be put back together, a complete new person, completely in light, body, whole, and spirit, spirit, body, soul, and spirit. But until then, I am torn because I have an inner man of light and an outward man of darkness. And now what my job is to mortify the deeds and desires of my outward man. But here I must, to, must first renew the knowledge of the inner man. I must renew the knowledge. So the inner man must first be renewed, built up in the knowledge of God. Then I put him on over the outward man. See, that's why it's not a choice I'm choosing the love of God. Well, yeah, you chose it today, but yesterday you were yelling at the pizza guy because he took too long and your pizza was cold. You know, but today you're nice. See, putting on means I'm living out of the inner man instead of the outward man. I'm giving to people the love of God because I have it in me. I'm becoming the very love of God. This is an amazing thing that God has for us. And it's for anyone. Where there's neither, neither Greek, verse 11, nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcised, barbarians, Scythian, slave, or nor free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, put on, this is from the new man, put on tender mercies. See, that tells you that the tender mercies of the love isn't just a choice I'm choosing love. It is I have to get it in the inner man, build it up, and then I can put it on over the fake love of my natural man. Or I call it the limited love of my natural man. Holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So again, the imagery here is the love that we put on 
is from the new man. It's not just choosing love. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. And I want you to see that doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus does not mean that I take my natural love and I now put the name of Jesus on it. I'm just born again. Now go out and love your neighbor. And it's a good start. It's a good step of faith to do my best to love my neighbor. But if I just live there, I'll never be able to present them the love of God when it says in the name of Jesus here, it doesn't mean that I just put Jesus on me. It means that I went to Jesus, I found his love, I became his love, and then that's the love that I, I give to you. I present to you the love of Jesus. I present to you the peace of God. Let's just say you're at work and someone says, oh, I'm just tormented. I don't know what to do. I'm just tormented. I present to you the peace of God. They're no longer tormented. What do we do, most of us in our modern church? You go off a prayer line and <laughs> I need peace. Okay. Peace. Peace. We slap a scripture on them. Slap a good one-liner on them. Just be peaceful. Go. In Jesus' name. And then we go home and have our dinner while they're still in torment. Because if they met the peace of Jesus, they would no longer be in torment. You know how many people are being taught and ministered to in the name of Jesus are leaving not meeting the love of God? They meet the love of a man representing God. And it's in good intentions. But this is the price of revival. This is the pathway of revival is that you must, you, not just the preachers, you, that's how much God values you. You must go into God and get that peace and let that peace become part of you. That's ministering in the name of Jesus. That is not ministering your peace and tagging on it Jesus. They taught us early on that the name of Jesus has power. So we thought it was like a special weapon you threw out, like a, a mace that you spray on the devil. Jesus. Psh, ah, don't come back in Jesus' name. Jesus. And I've met many things, many situations. Broken bones, broken bodies, broken hearts, broken people. Where I threw out the name of Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. Jesus, and nothing changed. That's that's preaching good there. I need to say that again. I have had many circumstances that I've faced that I thought saying the name of Jesus was where the power was at. And I would say to my circumstance, I'd say in other people's situations, be healed in Jesus' name. Jesus. 
and nothing changed. Because when we pray in Jesus' name, it means I went to Jesus. I spent time with Jesus. I became like Jesus. So when I present it to you in Jesus' name, I'm not just talking about him. I get to show it to you. So if you come into my presence and you have anxiety and I have peace, I can present to you. Ladies and gentlemen, let me present to you the peace of Jesus. And that peace comes in and destroys the anxiety in you. The power that's available for this world where someone could be tormented from a a molestation 30 years ago. They don't need an inner healing. They need to be set free from that brokenness. That's the power that's available in the love of God. I need need something to help me because I'm tormented. I'm tormented. People can be really mean. People can really hurt other people. That's a real, we call it a stronghold. But that's a real brokenness in their natural man. That's where that brokenness lies in the natural man. That's where that brokenness lies. You think the person who's tormented because they're molested when they get to heaven are tormented anymore? No. Because it's inside of their natural part of their soul. But there's a place in God, the way that Jesus looked at the woman who was adulterous and said, go and sin no more. He wasn't telling her she was saved and don't go sin because she, would have, she had to get born again like everyone else. He was telling her right then, I'm setting you free. I'm delivering you from this brokenness in your natural man. It's the same as a crippled man walking. That crippling part of her natural soul was mortified. Jesus killed it for her. That's why he could say, go and sin no more. Because just like Gary tries to watch a football game and doesn't bring, he can't find the, the desire to watch it like he used to. That woman, the need to be wanted disappeared because Jesus set her free. That's the power that God wants us to walk in where people can come. A, a homosexual boy who doesn't want to be a homosexual can come into the very presence of God and leave with that brokenness in him gone. Well, doesn't he have to pray for 1,800 years first? Fast, fast, fast? If if he can't find Jesus, yeah. That's all we got until Jesus can show up. Well, when's Jesus showing up? Well, that's what he's asking you. That's what he's asking me. That's what he's asking the person. When can I show up? And when can they come and you present my love? Because if you have his love, then you wouldn't allow a woman to leave broken. You wouldn't allow a person to leave hurting or crippled. You wouldn't allow it. That's the love that we're after. Well, good preaching there, Pastor Albert. Where do I get that love? Well, I know where you can get it. Spend time with him. You spend some time in worship. And worship. And worship. That's his love becoming part of you. Where does it become part of me? Well, in your inner man, because your inner man can now hold his love. Your outer man never could. Where does that peace reside? In your inner man. That's why you can say, man, God told me to do something, and I had peace on the inside, but fear on the outside. Ever have that? See, that's a classic example. Your inner man has the peace of God to say, God told me. 
When God told me to do something, I was afraid. My outward man said, he'll never provide for us. We're not good enough. Look at us. We're a mess. Why would he provide for us? My inner man said, my father is my provider. My inner man connected. My outer man was like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, we have to give more before he'll bless us. We have to do more before we're worthy. But your inner man, he's the father of your spirit, your inner man. He's not the father of your outward man. One day, when the trumpet sounds, we'll receive a new outward man. But until that day, it's our job to mortify it, to take it and make it submit to the word of God and make it go to a place where it no longer has a voice. That is mortification. Well, I'm not there yet. Yeah, not me neither. That's why we don't stop. You want to know why there's so much warfare? Because God is building something in you that can change the world. And the devil knows that if you ever get that love in you, he'll never be able to stop it. No matter what he does, no matter how much pressure, he cannot stop the love of God. See, God doesn't promote you. Man can promote you. God doesn't promote you. He promotes himself in you. You want more? You want to be used of God? Start by getting to know Him. Start by renewing the inner man and putting on that new, renewed new man over the old man. And you, you will not have a chance to stop working the rest of your life. Because the world is hungry, hungry for the love of God. It's only tasted the love of Christians, it needs to taste the love of God through you and through me. Let's keep praying. Let's keep seeking him. Amen. There's wonderful things ahead. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. And Father, we thank you for trusting us on this path. That you've seen enough in us to ask us to go down this path. Because you knew we wouldn't quit that we wouldn't be distracted. And we ask you to bless us with your strength, your courage, to walk more into your presence every day, that we'll press in even more every day. Father, we want to be your vessels of honor. We want to be your vessels of honor, that our family, our friends, our neighbors, the people at our work, can taste the actual love of God, the actual love of Jesus in us. They can taste the actual peace of God. They can taste the joy of God in us. And they'll never be the same. And the world's love, the world's peace, the world's joy, the world's purpose will never be good enough again. Thank you for using us and believing in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you. And if you like prayer, please come on up and on the green line. We'll be happy to pray for you. We love you and go change the world. You are dismissed and you're welcome to come up for prayer.